I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. Let's go! When you play at Rangers, you're expected to win games. You're, the demands that are, that are put on you. You can't feel sorry for yourself. You need to dust yourself down as quickly as possible. Make sure a lot of hard work goes on in the training ground and get a reaction in the old firm game at the weekend. I would say that if we're looking at that kind of player or that kind of connection to the club with coaching experience I think Sean Maloney stands a good chance The Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited hosted by Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen and John Hartson Call now and voice your opinion 0808 17 17 700 Well, you wait for one penalty shootout to come along and you get three in the space of four Scottish Cup quarterfinals. Hibs, St Johnston and last night St Mirren all won a place in the semis after going the full distance. So, Craigs, let's forget about those Scottish Cup replays, surely. There's no doubt about it that I think that's the way forward. I think financially as well, because it's been a tough year for everyone. When everyone gets back into football next year, we've asked fans to buy season tickets. We've asked them to buy tickets for Scottish Cup next season. We don't want replays. It's extra money again. There's more drama. The players know what's at stake on the night. The supporters will know what's at stake. The managers know what's at stake. And all this chat about European Super League, give me Scottish football any day of the week. That's been one of the most dramatic weekends we've had in a long time, and I loved it. Yep, sure was. Exciting stuff. And uh, the fourth quarterfinal, of course, was a trouncing uh, for Dundee United against Aberdeen. It is 62 days since Neil Lennon and Celtic parted company. We're into a third month now uh, with uh, last season's champions, the quadruple treble team under temporary management. John Hartson is with us. John, what's happening? Come on, clear it up. I was just about to ask you the same question. (laughs) Craig seems to know everything as well, by the way. I was going yeah. to ask Craig. No, but um, listen, I think we all... The, the biggest disappointment is that there's, there's very little announcement. There's very little information about, you know, Eddie Howe is still the man that we're chasing. We've got a plan B in place. We'd like to hear these things. The Celtic fans are desperate to know who the next manager is going to be. There's so much work to be do, to be done. Um, you know, Dominic Mackay's on board now. He's, he's at the club working daily with Peter Lowell. Peter will leave. We know who who potentially will leave. Scott Brown will go in the captain. I think Aya will go. I think a lot of players will go. I think Edouard will go. So these guys have got to be replaced. You know, and it needs a manager in place to, to, to at least make these decisions you know, or play a big part in these big decisions that are going to happen. So it's just the silence coming from, mm. from selling. No one's kept in touch with what's going on saying that there might be an announcement this week we don't know yeah and after a while Craggs you just get used to the idea of John Kennedy being in temporary charge because it's been that way for so long now yeah but you would like to think there's working on behind the scenes uh, you know I wouldn't have expected a, a club the size of Celtic to put all their eggs in one basket and say it's Eddie Howe or nothing you know quite clearly they'll have plans P and C but it's all gone quiet and the silence is definitely I was saying to you before we come on air I, I just wonder, are they looking for a safe pair of hands, someone to come in, steady the ship, 
And the reason why they can't announce this guy is because he's got the Euros in the summer. I just wonder if Steve Clark, the longer it goes, the more I think Steve Clark could get the job. He knows the players, he knows the league, he's worked with some of the Celtic players in Scotland. You know, he's shown he can manage a team and structure a team and get them organised. He won't cost a lot of money, he would love the job and if he does well then, he stays longer. Because the longer it goes without a big announcement, it tells me there's something under the radar and I would not be surprised if Steve Clark gets the job because he hasn't refused it either, Rob. Yeah, that, I mean, that would explain the silence, wouldn't it? Because if Celtic were keeping Stoom because Stevie Clark's got a rather big job on his hands in June... I'm not too sure. I, listen, Stevie Clark w- would be excellent in terms of um, the next Celtic manager. I'm not too sure whether he'll take it now. He's got the national job. Um, I don't know whether he wants the day-to-day stuff. He might want. To, he might want that again in the future. But for now, he's happy being the national manager. He hasn't been in the post that long, really, in terms of no. international manager stay for 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 many years. No, at least five or six, anyway. You know. Uh, he'll weigh up his options. But I just think, Eddie Howe here as well, right? You can't let Eddie Howe just... Because at the dictate. end of the day, Eddie, Eddie Howe is privileged. He's privileged, in my opinion, to be so sought after by Celtic. Celtic is a global club, right? It's mm. massive fan base all around the world. It's a magnificent job, especially now more so than any other time because you've got a big challenge now. The challenge now is to topple Rangers who've just won the championship. Celtic have to respond and they've got to make sure they get the right man in. So if Eddie Howe is, I'm in an hour in and he's deciding maybe he may well be going somewhere else or he might think, well, Celtic have come in for me. I've got that one in the bag. I'll try somewhere else. You know, I don't see Eddie Howe linked with many clubs since he got sacked from Bournemouth, by the way. Do you? No. Well, he's been linked more recently. Yeah. I think Crystal Palace has won. I think someone, Danny Murphy, possibly today linked him with Spurs, saying I would like to see him go to Spurs. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. So it looks as if he's waiting about for something different. And Celtic shouldn't be a club to be dictated to no. by a manager who's never won a major trophy. Who's managed in the Premier League? Absolutely great. Done a great job at Bournemouth. Is it too big? Are the expectations too high? Does he want Richard Hughes in? Now, we've spoken this show many a time that Celtic should be appointing the director of football. The manager shouldn't be appointing the director of football. The director of football should work for the club, then the manager after that. But he shouldn't work for the manager first, then the club. So yeah. that's why it's an appointment the club have to make because if the manager goes and, and he brings a director of football and the manager leaves, the director of football goes. Celtic are back to square one. They want a structure in the club that works. It has to be on their terms. And so if you don't want it, there'll be lots of people who would bite your hand off to go and manage a club like Celtic, as John said. Yeah, but also, Celtic have to give Eddie Howe, if they want him that badly, they've got to almost say to Eddie Howe, you will be in charge. You will be in charge of all football matters. Who we sign, yeah, you can work with director yeah. of football. You will be in charge. Who leaves who arrives, how you train, what you need, sports science, everything else, it'll all be put in place for you. They should almost go out and put that to Eddie Howe rather than maybe saying, you can only come if this one stays. Yeah. Or you're only allowed to bring two with you. I think I think Willie Hockey said to us last week, Eddie Howe had 17 staff mm. underneath him at Bournemouth yeah. working with him. 
you know. Yeah, and, um, we're, t- and we're talking about a club that that wouldn't give Neil Lennon even an assistant manager when he came in. Uh, to but mind. if you want something that bad, Rob, yeah, yeah, you've got yeah, to go out yeah. and get it. But, but is that? But it's a different is that, Rob. Is, is that a sticking point here, where where there is mm. this? You know, maybe he's making a stipulation that he wants to bring Richard Hughes as director of football yeah. with him, mm. and he maybe wants to bring maybe not seventeen, but he wants to bring three. his entourage with him, his backup, his coaching staff, his he sports wants to bring science 15 people. And this, yeah, <laughs> he's cutting back to fifteen. Yeah. You know, is, is you know is is could that be the where the be. sticking point is? It could be because you know, imagine when you're coming in, if you're thinking I'm getting into a club who need rebuilt with regards playing staff, a lot of work to be done. There's relationships have to be built with uh, possibly a new director of football, a new chief executive, with new players, a new club captain. You think I want as many people around me I can trust. Not trust as in that you think the people are going to tell tales, but trust as in you know how they work. You know how they train, you know how they coach the players, you know the structure, because that takes a little bit away from you. That means you can focus on your other job and looking at analysis and speaking to players and do because if you don't and you go in and have to inherit a staff, you don't know how they work. You don't know what their strengths are, you don't know how they coach, you don't know what their philosophy is. So that's where it can it can kind of knock their heads together. Because Eddie then, for example, would then have to be worried about the coaching staff. What are they doing? What are they telling the players? How do they work? You know, because I want to work my way. The four guys or five guys that I bring know how I work. So that takes a little bit of pressure away from him. I think that could be an issue if Celtic are adamant that John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan have to stay. Do you have faith in Celtic, John, getting this right? Because that's what it comes down to in the yes, end. Yes, I, I do. I'd like to believe they'll they'll do the diligence on uh, the diligence on all all managers potentially. Um, they will they will um, they'll have an interview process. They'll have number one, and we've seen a list here which I've got I've got in front of me. You've got then number two, maybe a number three. If number one, if you can't bring in your choice, your favourite choice, you've got to have Plan B. Because so many deals break down, you know, and that's maybe why it's taken so long. Because Eddie Howe will will want to, he'll, he'll feel he's in quite a good position because Celtic is showing that they may be desperate for him. So he's he's saying his his representatives are saying, well, we'll come when we want to come. Yeah, we want to bring this one. We want to bring that one. But I do believe um, they will get it right. I think they got it right with Martin O'Neill. They got it right with Neil Lennon first time around. They got it right with Brendan Rodgers, you know. And for me, I think they will because they can't afford not to because having, the, having had the season that they've had, not won a trophy for the first time in 10 years or whatever it is, um, not beaten Rangers in a season where Rangers are in, are in the same, are in the Scottish Premiership for I don't know how many years, another 10 years, I believe it is, something like that. And that's why this game on Sunday is so so pivotal to go and beat Rangers and show you can win the game against them because they've dominated the previous three without scoring a goal. You know, in my opinion, they've gone and dominated the games, but they haven't scored. It's like Rangers, you know, at the weekend, you can mourn about how many chances that you missed and, and, and blame the strikers and everything else. If you don't score goals, you don't you don't win games. It's quite it's quite simple. Strikers take you up the league. Centre forwards win your games. Yeah. Um, not, not that you're biased or anything. No, 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 not at all. But I do believe I do believe Celtic will get it right, and I think they have to get it right. Yeah. There's so much. But to I'll tell you what, if Eddie Howe does eventually take it, I think he's adding more pressure on himself 
because of the delay. Yeah. Because of his representative saying, well, we'll make a decision in the summer. We're in charge of the situation. Well, the minute you step into that football club, the supporters will be in charge of how they think you're doing and the demands that you will have to have. And if you shirk any responsibility or you shy away or you don't show your leadership, they will be on you. Because I can imagine there's a little bit of frustration you know, just because it's gone on, I mean, John's talking about it's gone on and yeah. on and on and on. And if he's the guy they want, he had better deliver. And he had better deliver right from the start. Forgetting this, wait until Christmas and th- everything clicks. He has to hit the ground running. We've spoken about it. Champions League's qualifiers, 20th and 21st of July. Next year's winners of the Scottish Premiership, automatic uh, entrance into the Champions League the following season. That is huge financially. It's a name that's been around for a long time. Is it going to be the name that finally fills that situation vacant at uh, Celtic Park? What do you think about it? John Hartson, Stephen Craig and Rob McLean on the Tuesday edition of the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. 0808 17 17 700 if you want to join in on the chat. Text GO on your message to 87474 on the socials at Go Football Show. We will be dancing around lots of different uh, subjects on the show today, including the fact that uh, the Euro 2020 squads uh, have got the all clear to, uh, to go up from 23 to 26 players. And that's going to be interesting, isn't it? We might uh, speculate in the course of the next couple of hours about the players who could be involved suddenly for Scotland in the summer, who might not have made it into 23, but will make it into a uh, 26. And maybe you have your thoughts on that as well. Some big games tonight in League One and Two. We'll get to that as well in the Champions League it is Real Madrid against Chelsea in the semi-finals Crags I'll give you a, an update on the competition so far because I know you've been watching Glenn Doran <laughs> uh, on most of the nights that the Champions League's been on TV but uh, I'll get you up to speed don't you worry about that at all and we'll also talk about the Scottish Cup quarter-finals uh, the last place was claimed in the semis last night at Rugby Park and it was St Mirren on penalties a penalty shootout eh Three of them in those uh, four quarterfinals. Incredible, Crags. What drama. Well, I touched on it earlier, you know, about the European Super League. Everybody wants to watch Champions League. Give me Scottish football any day of the week. I just think it's raw. It's unedited. It's full of passion. It's full of commitment. And a lot of the players aren't playing it for money because they won't earn enough to retire and live on. So they're doing the best that they can. They're committing everything that they've got. And probably then the one-off cup ties added to it a little bit more, added a little bit more spice to it. I mean, Motherwell played Hibs would end up 4-2-4. You know, teams were just throwing men forward and Cavalier. We had a goalkeeper almost scoring. I mean, I think he'd done his best to miss. And thankfully, Chris came as there to knock it in. So mm, yeah. suddenly we're grabbing headlines. People are talking about Xander Clark. The penalty shootouts, the saves. I mean, 118 minutes they conceded against Rangers. The players were on their knees within 90 seconds. They got an equaliser. They won a penalty. So it was an absolutely terrific, a great spectacle for Scottish football. People keep telling me Scottish football is boring. Watching Champions League in Europa League time uh, at times is boring. Scottish football is passionate and I love it, Rob. I really, well, really you do. Ju- you just said there, Rob, three games um, out of the quarterfinal, out, three out of the four went to penalties. That, mm. that wouldn't happen in normal circumstances, would it? No. It's only because now uh, the, the yeah. games have got to be finished. Ex- exactly, in, you know, because we don't, have time, we don't have time for yeah. replays yeah. at the moment. So, but actually, by going through this process, yeah. you actually get somewhere, don't you? And, and you I think, wonder, do we yeah. want to go back to replays now? And I wonder how many players are now practising their penalties. Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. Because there's a lot more games that yeah. will go to penalties now. Exactly. You know? now, have you said one game would be 3-0 over the weekend? You wouldn't have picked no. Aberdeen against no. Dundee United. No. no. And, shocks and, and as well, though. A couple, of, a couple of big shocks. Yeah. 
you know, St. Mirren beating Rangers. You know, yeah, really, St. Johnson. You know, St. Johnson, sorry, beating yeah. Rangers. Dundee United beating yeah. Aberdeen. Well, yeah. and, and beating them so emphatically, you just or is, wouldn't is, have is, seen is, that coming. Is that a big shock? Well, well, it was an Aberdeen side which, which drew with Celtic and yeah. came within seconds of beating Celtic on the, on the Wednesday night. So I just don't think anyone would have would have seen that seen that coming. No. And of course, uh, Craig's you were doing the commentary uh, when Xander Clark wandered up <laughs> six foot five in that luminous green outfit. Nobody seemed to see him in the in the six yard box, and he nodded down for Chris Kane to poke in the goal that took it to extra time. St Johnston won him penalties uh, and Steven Gerrard afterwards was reflecting on that goal that moment one thing that is crucial is the final moments when you get yourself in front and we managed to get the breakthrough fantastic goal with James we need to manage the ball better high up by the corner flags we need to be further up the pitch we need to be pressing higher up maybe stopping the game and being clever uh, we never done that well enough it led to a corner and then someone who's six foot eight for some reason is free in the box that can't happen that's on me that's on us and we have to ex- ex- accept responsibility for that I think he's just been extended by a few inches under he has. I, don't, I think he'd be in a basketball team if he, yeah. was, if he was six foot eight but do you know but... what you talk about leadership I don't even just mean the players on the pitch did the management staff not see this big guy just jogging up from the other 18 yard but it took him about yeah. two minutes to get up surely someone's yeah. got to say pass on information you know Stephen Gerrard's got about six members of staff behind him who are always out yeah. shouting and pointing fingers when they're winning yeah, for, for, you know for how I mean? much we've praised Alan McGregor this season as, mu- as much as we have praised him and yeah. some of us have said he's player of the year he's been outstanding he's got to come for that last minute ball into the box by the way it's, it's a wonderful ball in from, from Liam Craig mm. he's, he's picked him out he's picked the, um, the Xander Clark out the goalkeeper Yeah, but what it was, I think, the players, the Rangers players defensively, they know their roles. They know their jobs. They know who they're picking up. It's last kick of the game, by the way, last kick of extra time. They know. So all of a sudden, they got a corner against them. They're picking up their players. They're doing their jobs. All of a sudden, the goalkeeper, who Steven Gerrard just said that six foot eight, he ghosts in. He ghosts in to the middle of the six-yard box. He didn't and ghost. He walked in, John. Yeah. Surely they all must have a look at No, but I'm thinking. Who's on this big guy? He's a guy with a big bushy beard. Don't but worry about him. He will get a touch only, on this. The only player for me who hasn't got a responsibility there because everybody's got the responsibility to pick up the, the lads they've been picking up all game in the ever amount of corner St. Johnson or free kicks what they had from White. The players will know who their men are or they mark in zone or whatever. The only player who hasn't got responsibility to pick anybody up is the goalkeeper. Mm. He's got to come and punch that ball. The goalkeeper's got free header inside the six-yard box. Mm. Do you agree with that, Craig? For however should, well could, that could has done this season. Could he, and fairness. should he have come well, and, and taken responsibility it, for that? He was getting wrestled. I, I, who would have been the, who'd have been in around the goalkeeper? Wouldn't have been Chris Kane. Who, Michael O'Halloran, I think. Mm. I think Michael O'Halloran and whoever was marking Michael O'Halloran were getting involved with Alan McGregor there was a lot of jostling going on in around that area so by the time the corner was taken I don't think he could get away from it but you're talking about Conor Goldson and James Tavernier and Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor leaders experienced players who have played in enough big games to say do you know what we're going to manage this on the pitch he's standing free see the guy on the edge of the box leave him we'll take our our chances if the ball goes to the edge of the box there's, you know, there's more chance of this guy being involved in the middle of the six yard box that's where you have to look at your players and think someone should have taken control of that situation if not a management staff from the side and recognising that he was free I think if I'm a manager there and it's last kick of the game and my players are marking as they should be the goalkeeper comes up and it, the ball lands in the middle of the six yard box I'm expecting my goalkeeper to come from that I know he's under pressure you know, he's been harried by mm. St. Johnson players, and he's got to get himself away from that. 
Yeah. He's intelligent. He's got enough experience. He must think that a ball there comes into my my area. I'm going to go and punch it as far as I can. And he'll do that. Alan McGregor will do that next week in a different situation. Yeah. And of course, three minutes uh, beforehand, there was wild celebrations as James Tavernier had scored the goal that Rangers thought at the time clearly had taken them into those Scottish Cup semi-finals and kept them on track for the double. But their record in the cup competitions, Rangers, uh, continues to be pretty poor. What do you think of that? Does that change the complexion of the season for you? Rangers are having already won the title by a, a country mile, or does it change nothing because the title was always the big target? What about those Scottish Cup quarterfinals and all the penalty shootouts. What about Celtics continuing search for a new permanent manager? 0808 17 17 700. Join the discussion. And after the news at six, we will be hearing from the St. Mirren captain, Joe Shocknessy, uh, about the Paisley team's famous win at Rugby Park last night. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. So it's two sets of Saints in the Scottish Cup semi-finals. St Johnston and St Mirren, both there. Hibs and Dundee United. And the dates have been set uh, for those uh, two semi-finals. And one incentive for the winner of the Scottish Cup uh, this season. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail over the next hour and a half. But it could uh, amount to a few million pounds for one of those four teams if they can land the Scottish Cup in terms of what lies ahead uh, in Europe. Europe. Uh, no Rangers, of course, in the semi-finals. Celtic uh, long gone from the competition as well. And as we've been saying, uh, it is 62 days and counting since Neil Lennon and Celtic uh, parted ways. And uh, the search goes on, it seems. Uh, we know not much about it, as for sure, uh, about who is going to be next, who is going to fill the breach for Celtic, who's going to drive them forward, who's going to throw down uh, a strong challenge to Stephen Gerrard and Rangers next season it's Rob McLean here with Stephen Cragen and John Hartson in the studio and uh, on the line we've got Liam hi Liam hi guys how are you hi, yeah Liam. well thanks how are you yeah not bad not bad what would you like to say to us what would you like to tell us ask us anything uh, just kind of come on you talk about you know what is next for Celtic I mean we all thought Eddie Howe was at the certainty is going to come in. It's kind of died down now itself. So what do what do we do? do? Do we go for big names? Do we go approach the likes of Josie Mourinho? Do we do we take that risk and see what would happen, or do we just stick to our guns and keep going for Eddie Howe? And do you think, Liam, there's a lot happening in the background that we don't know about? Because uh, we're all speculating about it. I mean, we spent the first 10 minutes of the show just spontaneously uh, speaking about the, the vacant position, whether it is going to be Eddie Howe, whether there's a sticking point because he wants to bring a big backroom team with him and he wants to bring his own director of football with him as well. All these things are being spoken about. His name's been around for a long, long time. Um, are you thinking that, are you confident that Celtic are busy in the background and, and they're going to get this right? I definitely think there's stuff going on in the background. I don't think they're just sitting quietly. Um, but it's, as a matter of fact, is it just, is there too many problems for us to bring in Eddie Howe? Does he want too much to Celtic or, or to offer him? Um, and maybe do we give it a miss and go, go look for something else? But I think if we do get it, Giving a abandon on the Eddie Howe situation, whoever we do bring in, 
needs to be right and needs to have these expectations and the drive of what we're going to be able to build on instead of just kind of continuing what's been happening. John Hartson, is Eddie Howe a big name? I think he's a big enough name, yes, I do. I think he's uh, he's managing the Premier League. Um, he's got a reputation of, of playing really good football, free-flowing football, on the front foot, attacking. Uh, he was able to do that at Bournemouth until a few couple of years ago where they got where they got relegated. Bournemouth have bounced back. They're back in the playoffs <coughs> um, this season. Uh, not, not with him in charge. <coughs> and I... I'm all over Eddie Howe. I think Eddie would be a really, really good choice. Um, I, th- I think he'd be a good manager for Celtic. I think he'd make good decisions. Um, and but but there's also uh, you know, for me, I think maybe Celtic when when Neil Lennon left the club 62 days ago, um, I think maybe there's an element of me thinking it should have been a clear out. And I think Eddie Howe should come in with his staff, have a bit of a freshness to it. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to John or Gavin Strachan uh, or whoever's, you know, the, the um, for me, it should have been a case of the new manager should have been able to come in, bring in who he wants to, who he wants to bring with him, an assistant manager, uh, a video guy, a sports scientist, a director of football, similar to what they did with Brendan Rodgers. He was allowed to make a few choices of his own, Brendan. Um, and for me, that way would have maybe enticed um, Eddie Howe to come sooner than what he's come. I think that's the stumbling block. Um, for me, Eddie Howe is being held slightly, maybe not being given what he wants. And I think that's the stumbling block. I think he should have been able to come in. He's the manager. He's the top man. His his neck is on the block. Mm. The buck stops with him in terms of results. If he doesn't win, he's sacked with a nice you know with a nice payoff. But if he does win, it's because of what he's brought in. Was you know not join others. I think he's maybe in a position if he's going to come in and Celtic want him that much to maybe have earned the right to bring his own team with him. Do you worry, Liam, that that Eddie Howe's name has been in the frame for so long, and despite the fact that. Celtic are minus a manager and that he's minus a job this get-together hasn't happened yet It's definitely a worry I mean there was always there was always the talks of met in London a verbal agreement to be made stuff like that looking like a, a done deal and now it's kind of dragged on a wee bit I know his agent said that he wasn't joining the club until the end of the season but as a worry I mean I think not just me but I think a lot of the Celtic fans just want Kind of stability. We just want something so we can kind of focus on right. We know who's coming in. We know what they what they are capable of. We know what they can do. Let's now look on to next season. Who can we bring in? Who are we getting rid of? That, that's kind of things I think supporters are wanting to see right now. Liam, who would you if it's not Eddie Howe? Let's say for instance, them talks break down, and Celtic are on the lookout now for Plan B. Who would you like to see be the manager next season at Celtic? You personally? Me, me personally, um obviously Eddie Howe was my number one, but if mm. we can if we're breaking that down, I think you've got to look at talented managers like Jesse Marsh. For me he is a quality manager. He's invested in his youth. He's, he's, to be honest, he's everything I think Celtic need. If it wasn't Eddie Howe, it'd be Jesse Marsh for me. Mm-hmm. I just think that 
there's a few things. Um, first of all, finances will dictate at what level Celtic yeah. can go to. You know, Jose- Someone like Jesse Marsh is probably out of Celtic's reach, yeah. isn't he, financially? I would think so. And then, you know, Josie Mourinho's another one. You'd imagine that's way above budget. And not even what you're going to pay them. But these guys will want to come in and want to be backed financially in the transfer market to go and bring in players that they want to bring in. Also, there was a quote from Tommy Elphick, uh, I, I think that's, who played under Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. And he said, a lot of the time, Eddie was more interested in performance over result. I'm thinking, when you come to Glasgow, mm-hmm. <laughs> result is everything. Yeah, Get the results and then your play can build and can improve since then. So I just wonder there's a little bit of naivety maybe he, he's from a smart, some he's, people. He's a smart guy though, Eddie Howe, isn't he? he he'll know that. He'll know well, yeah. that, that there isn't any bidding in process but as he will, Celtic manager. Well, will he? Because he's never managed the club where you have... And then John will tell you, John's played for loads of clubs. When he came to Celtic, I'd imagine the mentality was different. You know, you could play at Wimbledon, yeah. you could play at Coventry. But Arsenal probably slightly different. But you go to Luton, you know, you can play and you can lose the odd game. You can't afford to lose games at Celtic, no matter who you play. They generally, as supporters, believe, because of their club and their stature and the players they have, that they can beat anyone. So suddenly if you're a manager who thinks, no, no, it's all about performance and we'll worry about the result later, I'm afraid not. You have to hit the ground running. The third thing is season tickets are coming soon if, you know, if they're not out already. Are you going to go and part with your seven, £800 not knowing who your manager is, not knowing what players are staying, knowing what players are, are leaving or who's even going to be in control? There's a lot of things that need sorted out and to be, what, 62 days into it, we said last week, eight weeks last Tuesday it was, or eight weeks last Wednesday it was, in fact, since Neil Lennon left and still no further forward. It seems publicly they're no further forward. Time is ticking. Do you think that's a big factor, Liam, selling season tickets, selling uh, selling the, this new manager to, to the fans, and it's got to be the right one, even for commercial, commercial reasons? I definitely think it is a big factor uh, coming up. I mean, I think I've heard quite a lot of people saying, oh, I want to know who's in control before I, I decide on renewing my season ticket. And for me, as a Celtic fan, no matter who's in charge, no matter what the situation is, you back your team 100%, and I'll always stand by that, no matter who comes in. Um, but I definitely think it'll be a big factor in our other supporters, knowing, not knowing sorry, who's going to come in, who's going to control the club. What What's in stake for us next season? It's, it's a very, very big factor. Do you, do you think most Celtic fans are like you? And and yeah, they'll they'll whinge and they'll complain and they'll mo- they'll moan about about what's not happening at the moment. But ultimately, they will buy their season ticket and 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 they'll show their support for the club and the and the club can depend on that. I, I do think most supporters will still back their team. I mean, we've been through it. We've we've had that big part of success for the last nine years. That we've we've trebled, double trebles, treble trebles, go double trebles. We've done it. We've had it. I think a lot of people have got to kind of realise, yeah, we've had one bad season, but be grateful for what we've had here. And what we ha- every team has its ups and downs. And I, I think most supporters might realise that, that we've had a bump in the road, but we will come back from it. I think that's a sensible approach. I really do. I think that's probably the first person that's been on the show since I've been on it has spoken like Liam has and said, do you know what? I realise what we've had. I realise what we've been through. And when you look at Rangers this season, will they ever get a, a better chance to win a treble when Celtic were knocked out so early in both cup competitions? So people say, oh, it was a treble, double treble. People became used to it with Celtic. Yeah, I yeah. think that achievement was massively 
um, undervalued yeah. four quadruple trebles it's incredible when Rangers couldn't do one this season yeah. I'm not comparing to Rangers but they had a chance because Celtic were out of both cup competitions yeah. but and what, they couldn't uh, carry it through so it's a phenomenal and, and by the way it's a, it's a great attitude to have yeah I, I think you're absolutely right and it, and it was something I, I was thinking about coming into the show today was the fact that, that Rangers have fallen at that uh, quarter final hurdle in the Scottish Cup uh, beaten by St Johnston beaten by St Mirren in the League Cup and it all underlines how difficult it is even when you're winning the title by 20 odd points which Rangers yep. are going to do in the in the final analysis how difficult it is to win everything John yep. and Celtic have done it four seasons on the bounce unbelievable well they've had, they've had unprecedented success haven't they and it, it's a shame for the Celtic side that they couldn't quite get that 10 in a row which everybody really went out and wanted um, but also there's another side to that as well Simply because we can't just say, yes, I know the Celtic fans are incredibly loyal. They love their club. You know, brilliant, brilliant supporters. And they're saying, Liam is saying he'll support Celtic. It, it doesn't matter who's the manager. Um, I'll still get behind my club. I'll still buy my season ticket. And, and we'll, we'll come back again. But when will we come back if, if there's a massive turnaround? Mm. You know, we arguably, you know, this is going to be a, a 10, 12 player turnaround. We have got to make sure we get the right players with the right mentality to achieve that. Because Rangers will try and hold on to their best players. They will go again. They will add again. They'll have the confidence to know that and the momentum to know they've beaten Celtic by 20 points this season. Hasn't been a fight. They've won the no. league easily enough. So it's okay saying, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. Will we be all right? We've got to make sure we get the right person get the right players with the mentality who can play for Celtic by doing that we'll have a chance we'll have an opportunity to win the title and bring it back to Celtic Park if we just you know if we are just like oh yeah it's alright we, we don't mind we don't mind whatever manager we'll still support him Yeah, and I get that but also we've got to get the right person in look at the managers that Celtic have had over the last 10 years you know they've had some fantastic football people and that's where the success have come from yeah I mean the, the the faith and the loyalty and the support of the Celtic fans is a great thing and 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 but but if the Celtic hierarchy look at it and can depend on that and and yeah there might be screams of protest from the fans but ultimately they will buy their season tickets yeah. they will back the team Th does that in a sense make the people making the decisions at the top levels yeah. of Celtic un un unaccountable well you can't take it for granted you know I think that would be very disrespectful I, I, I don't imagine that the hierarchy at Celtic will be thinking that way or would take the fans for granted because if they don't get it right next season that's when the issues could probably kick in because they know they've had plenty of time this season to try and erect uh, to rectify it with regards to a new manager and new signings in the summer so the Celtic fans may go along this season and yes that's my club you know a bad ticket but if it doesn't work next season and there's problems next season and there's a further dip in form and, and, and players who come in aren't as good as the ones that left then the following season could be an even bigger issue so I would try and deal with it this summer as best you possibly can and the delay and the holding back of it and not having an announcement will just further add to the frustration of the Celtic fans. Craig's mentioned Stevie Clark right at the top of the show. Uh, Liam, as a, as a possible contender, if the Eddie Howe thing goes away, um, maybe Stevie Clark could be the, the Celtic manager uh, after the Euros. How would that appeal to you and, and other Celtic fans? I mean, for me, I, I quite like Stevie Clark. I thought he'd done a good job at Kilmarnock. He's done a, a, a cracking job at Scotland right now. 
But for me, I know he won't join. In my head, I know he won't join. He's comfortable at Scotland. The reason he joined, a big reason he joined Scotland, was so he could go back to his family. He wasn't always in Scotland. He could go back to England. And I just think, yeah, he, maybe he could come to Celtic. He could turn it around. Maybe he could do all that that we hoped for. But in my eyes, I can't see him joining. I can't, I can't see him joining any club in Scotland right now. Liam, thanks for your call. Cheers, good, Liam. All the best. Good Cheers, to have you on no the way. show. 0808 17 17 700. Let's talk football. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking football is what we do on Glasgow's own Go Radio. The football show Monday to Friday, five till seven. Uh, John Hartson is talking football with you tonight. Stephen Cragen as well. And me, Rob McLean, on the Tuesday edition of the show, the Go Radio football show with OPC Energy Limited. After a long weekend in the Scottish Cup quarterfinals, but what a weekend mm. it was. Uh, three of the quarterfinals settled on penalties. And uh, we'll be talking after the news six with uh, Joe Shocknessy, the St Mirren skipper who led his team into the last four uh, last night but only after a major battle with Kilmarnock at uh, Rugby Park so it is St Mirren and St Johnston and Dundee United and Hibs who will be competing uh, for a place back at Hamden for the final that's on the 22nd of May and the Scottish Cup winners of course this season uh, are going into the playoff round for the Europa League and even if they lose that they'll drop down into the Europa Conference League so basically they're guaranteed European football till December and that means millions and that will make a big difference to one of those clubs whichever makes it St Johnston of course I've got the League Cup uh, in the trophy room already will the Scottish Cup be glinting uh, alongside it come the end of the season let's talk to Ryan who's a St Johnston fan <laughs> and of course Ryan we spoke to you last week ahead of that uh, double header against Rangers I'm trying to remember what you were predicting at that stage what was your mood when we last spoke to you on the show um, very reserved and can I just say Rob what an introduction there for, for a wee Perth team I'll, I'll, I'll take that thank you very much <laughs> no, and I, di- I didn't even mention top six either I know I know it just shows you nowadays eh? it's, 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 it's the stuff of dreams As honestly me being a St Johnson fan and local local boy growing up in Perth in the club um, absolute dreams I mean I remember as I said um, last week going into grounds like Stranra Queen of the South and just put the league leaders out of the out of the cup. It's it's dreams. I honestly, as um, but my last week's prediction was one 0 It was going to be a very tight affair, and mm-hmm. it certainly was. It was. Um, I, being I, honest, I, being honest, as a football fan, um, when Rangers scored, I thought that's it. That's, I know, think I think they, they thought that as well. By the looks of the celebrations, yeah, yeah. I think when we spoke to you last but, week, you said because they played Rangers on the Wednesday in the league, and you thought maybe it would be a draw that night but you weren't too convinced about the weekend game. But I've got to say, everything about the team, the organisation, the structure, albeit they didn't create lots of chances, but there was no fear from them. And you could see they're a well-drilled team. They're well-oiled. Callum has them knowing the rules inside out. And see, to close that gap in quality sometimes against better players and better teams, your organisation, your energy, the appetite. And I have to say, listen, Ali McCann plays for Northern Ireland, but I thought he was absolutely terrific he was a bundle of energy he was quality in possession he broke beyond the centre forwards to get into the box he took the game to Rangers when he could 
I thought he was absolutely sensational for someone on you I think 21 years of age phenomenal performance and there's no doubt unfortunately Ryan I can imagine other clubs will not just be looking at Ali McCann but they may be looking at your manager Callum Davidson yeah definitely um, I think uh, Callum had said in the, in the local paper up in Perth that um, a few um, a few clubs have been down south have already been keeping an eye on a few of our players so it's a worrying time but it's um, it's a nice worry it's, it's a nice worry yeah it's one of the things that's it's like that any clubs if you've got good players from Aberdeen Hibs or St Johnson it's yeah that's the way it is isn't it? Come around. Yeah. And, and that's what happens with success uh, your players get looked at and um, and possibly signed up and, and your manager as well he, he's going to be a hot property uh, come the summer uh, Callum Davidson no doubt about that I was looking at a league table um, from mid-October during the week there Ryan and St. Johnson were bottom of the league. I mean, what a transformation, what a turnaround uh, to make the, the top six, to win the League Cup. And now you're a couple of games from, from winning the Scottish Cup as well. And and I think in many people's minds, probably in my mind, actually, you know, Hibs are the highest rated team in terms of the Premiership. But actually, if, if, you, if you were asking me who I think would win the, the, the Scottish Cup, I, I, I would struggle to look past your team. Yeah, I've got to agree, um, but <laughs> it's funny because I, I prefer being the underdog tag. I think you play better than, than the underdog tag, but I, we've got to take the pod. We've got to take the podence. We've got to take everything that's coming our way at the minute. We're, we're flying, we're doing well. And and to be honest, I, I've got to say, we used to be a Rangers station and there'll be a lot of Rangers fans listening. I, I beg you, but did, did you call us a Rangers station there? No, well, Glasgow, sorry, Glasgow. So yeah. you have a lot of I think John almost fell off his chair there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 just I don't think John would get in in that case. I was just about to walk out the door. <laughs> I, think, I think Rangers fans are a bit harsh on their team. I mean, they're saying, oh, they should have done better, they should have done this. But well, where's, where's St. Johnson credit? We matched them man to man. Never gave them a sniff, never gave them an opportunity. We played well, we'd done well, and it took them 170 minutes to, to score. So I think, I think in terms of... As, you, as Stephen says, um, it's going to be, It's just on the night. It's on the day. Who's want it? Who wants it more? And I think yeah. we wanted it more. Do you th- did John Hartson? Did, did Rangers switch off? Do you think when they when they scored uh, from from James, James, James Tavernier scored on 117 minutes and and there was that massive celebration on the sidelines and on the on the pitch? Uh, did Rangers switch off at that point? Well, when they score, you know, in the 117th minute, you think you've won the game. But you're at your worst in terms of your concentration levels are lowest. They say for the next 50 seconds to a minute, you know, when you've scored and you've had that euphoria, and all of a sudden you switch off for a second. The corner comes in, we've mentioned, nobody's marking uh, the goalkeeper, Xander Clark. And he's unmarked. Still, by the way, it's unbelievable of the confidence to go up there, get his head on the ball. You mentioned the players, Goldson and Alan McGregor and everything else. Should have come for it, should have done better. But to have the nerve and the confidence to come back from 1-0 down. And listen, I'm not going to say Rangers over-celebrated because I'm sure if if St. Johnson had scored in the 117th minute, if they'd been the first team to score in the second half they would have celebrated like there's no tomorrow wouldn't they They Mm, because you expect at that time to see the game Mm. out you never expect to concede but that's when Rangers will be kicking themselves because they should have known with the experience they've got and the way that they previously lost the League Cup to St Mirren when it was 1-1 and then St Mirren got a corner windy night they they go knock Rangers out of the League Cup 
Rangers maybe a bit naive, not thinking this won't happen again. Mm. But it's come back to bite them. It's happened again. Ryan, do you think it'll be a regular occurrence now that Xander Clark will go up for every set place? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Well, did you think you were out, Ryan? Honestly, did you think you were out? 117th minute, 1-0 at Ibrox down. Are you thinking then, that's us? Yes, 100%. Oh, yeah. It's the champions of Scotland. You know, you, yeah. you, as you say, you expect, they get the one-off, that's it, and... And as as that tagline usually says, it's that's what champions do. Mm. They, they they grind it out to the last kick of the game, and then they um, they got they got their goal. But um, yeah, I did. I, I definitely thought they were just going to shop shop now and just play play waste the time. But fair, you know what? Fair credit to Michael Hallen as well because he chased a lost ball. He did, didn't he, to win the corner? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did By really the well. Way, Liam Craig's corner yeah. was. On a sixpence, yeah, it? right on the money, wasn't oh. it? Um, I mean, I mean, what Ryan, there's enough of an incentive in just winning the Scottish Cup because, the, the, you know, especially when you've won the League Cup and you can put them both together. But uh, when you look beyond that to European football, the European football that could be coming the way of the Scottish Cup winners, whoever they are, if it, if it is St Johnston, it could mean maybe around three million pounds in terms of guaranteed European football revenues, etc., up till December. Uh, the way things pan out now for the for the for the Scottish Cup winners, I mean, it, it's it's massive, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, I see. I seen that as well, Rob. Um, yeah, hundred percent. That that's massive. That is like winning the lottery for any any of these clubs that are in it at the minute. Um, just with everything that's happened with coronavirus and stuff like that, a lot of clubs are struggling. So, yeah, that's. That'd be a massive boost for I would imagine Steve Brown will be taking that money straight to the bank, locking it in, and making sure no one else can get anywhere near it. You yeah. know, Aye, the usual because he's never, but he's never bought a player in God knows how long. So that, <laughs> well, I think it's proven you don't need to buy players if you get the manager right. Tommy Wright got it right, and now uh, Callum Davidson's getting it right also. So you know, certainly being prudent and looking after the business side of the club. Is paying dividends yeah. for St Johnston, but that, but that's money that can make a really big difference, isn't it? To to any of the four clubs in the semi-finals, including your team, St Johnston, of course, Ryan. You know, if yeah. if it, if that figures accurate, around about three million pounds, then and and once you've won the cup, you know it's coming. You know that football is guaranteed till December, so you can actually invest at that point, can't you, in players, knowing that you're going to get a return. Yeah, definitely. If we win the Scottish Cup, and I'm. I'm if we win it, it'll be two cup parades in Perth. It won't be just one. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be some day. That's going to be some week, probably, yeah. by the time those parades are over. Um, but I just, I just want to say as well, yep. um, it's credit to the backroom staff at St John's as well. I mean, if you look at the players that we've got, Ali McCann came through the youth setup, Chris Kane came through the youth setup, Xander Clark came through the youth setup, yep. and a lot of players have been there. What nine, nine, ten plus years as well. Yeah. So Jason Kerr, Liam uh, Gordon were another two I saw yeah. today. Is oh Al- yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Alistair Stevenson yeah. who heads up the the development? Is that is that the name? Yeah. Am I right in yeah. saying? Yeah, it is. So credit credit to him and credit to all the backroom staff. Not all about Callum Davidson, but it is a fantastic success story. Ryan, good to have you on the show, and presumably we'll get you back on again after you've won in the semi finals, <laughs> and then after you've won in the final, so you could become a regular on the show. Well done, Ryan. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Thank you. Bye, all the best. All, all the best. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? 
Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Rob McLean, Stephen Craig and John Hartson talking football and uh, you can get involved and you do. 0808 17 17 700. What a weekend it's been if one counts Monday as part of the weekend. It was a long weekend, wasn't it, when uh, St Mirren got the job done last night against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. It had to be penalties, didn't it? Because that has been the theme uh, right through the quarter-final weekend. And now we know what the semi-final uh, lineup is going to be and when the games will be. That's been sorted out uh, today as well. It's a week on Saturday and a week on Sunday. The first game will be Hibs against Dundee United, both at Hamden, of course... And then it is All Saints Day on the Sunday. Uh, St Mirren against St Johnston for a place in the Scottish Cup final. And that is on the 22nd of May. So it's Rob and Craggs and Big John on the show. And we've got Big Joe with us now as well. Joe Shocknessy joins us, the St Mirren skipper. Hi, Joe. Hi, hi guys. How's it going? Hi, Thanks Joe. For having me on. We better get your surname right. Let's let's start with that because uh, people <laughs> lecture me all the time about this, and I, I try to get it right. And what is it? What's the definitive, Joe? Uh, it is shocknessy. Shocknessy. That's the way it's said back home, anyways. I mean, right. I won't. I won't give out to you too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll call you Big Joe anyway, that, just to keep keep things simple from here on in. Uh, what about last night? Tell me how that was for you, because uh, it was uh, the emotional roller coaster, wasn't it? Yeah, um, you know, you know, it was a that was a good game. It was a good kind of advertisement for Scottish football. I think we, uh, you know, we made hard work of it in the end. But um, yeah, it was a good game. I think we probably extra time and penalties was the only way it was going to be sorted out. You know, both teams were fairly well matched over the over the course of the game, and it you know came down to the whatever the smallest of margins. Really, only one penalty missed. So. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a tough game, but it was, turned out I came out on the right end of it anyway. So, and you made a fatal contribution yourself with that thumping header during the during the match, and then uh, and then one of the penalties during the shootout. Yeah, um, you know, I probably overdue goal. Probably should score a few more, but uh, it was a brilliant delivery in by Jamie, and I just managed to get the get the other side of um, Broadfoot and nodded it in. So it was a uh, you know. It was, I think we did well to get get back into it. You know, we, we kind of threw away the lead, got come up to half time, and then uh, we just couldn't create any really good like open clear cut chances in the second half. So it was good to get on the end of a set piece and do my bit. I'm going to give you a quick call back, Joe. Uh, we'll just uh, cut that call at the moment because the line's pretty hopeless and we'll get back to Joe in a sec and we'll re-establish that and we'll hopefully be able to understand what he's saying. We got most of that so far, uh, but we'll reconnect with him in a minute. It was an incredible uh, game last night yeah. and, well, uh, and, and you know, opportunity knocking for all, all four semi-finalists. But, but what a season it's been for St Mirren. What a season of transformation and Jim Goodwin, Craggs, takes a whole lot of credit. Well, it would have been very easy to feel sorry for yourself. And I don't mean throw your season away, but let it affect the rest of your games when they didn't make the top six. In such dramatic fashion, uh, fashion last minute of the game at Hamilton, expectation you were in sixth place and Johnson beat Ross County and go above you. And suddenly 
everyone would have been low, everyone would have been feeling down. It's easy then to kind of feel sorry for yourself, but the fact they've managed to pick themselves back up, they're now in a Scottish Cup semi-final. You set at £3 million for the club to play for, uh, European competition right up until Christmas uh, this year would be a wonderful achievement for them. And you look at the four teams and, you know, you said as much as Hibs are favourite, there's nothing between really any of them. And that's what I love about the four semi-finalists. They're all capable of winning the Cup yeah. And I think that's what makes it so exciting. And of course, Joe, um, we've got you back now. It's a, it's a semi-final against your old team, uh, St Johnston. Yeah, um, you know, it's a game to look forward to, especially with, with there not being any old firm left in the competition. It's a good chance for all, all four teams. And you know, St Johnston have had a brilliant season. They've uh, you know, they just just picked us to the top six, and obviously, winning the League Cup was a, a great achievement for them. And I've been, you know, really impressed with how they've how they've gone about their business this season so we know it'll be a tough game and you know it's been close every time we played them this season so looking forward to that But the the rise and rise of St Mirren John Hartson has been really impressive as well hasn't it because for the last couple of seasons they were flirting with relegation um, the, and this season they missed out on that top six by two goals that was all that was all it was yeah but they, um, they also I think Joe I don't think you let that sort of concern you too much you know you're, you're now gone above St. Johnson in the league. All right, you missed out on finishing in the top six. Jim Goodwin, has, uh, he's done a great job there. You know, he's brought in young players, loan players as well, and he's got a couple of good senior players. But Joe, I wanted to ask you, you lost in the, um, you lost in the League Cup to uh, Livingston in the semi-final. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. And now you take on St. Johnson in the Scottish Cup semi-final. Will will you, your approach be a little bit different in terms of you've not you've lost one semi final? Will 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 your manager Jim Goodwin will he approach it differently? Is there anything you will do that you didn't do and uh, hence you lost to Livingston um, to to make sure that you get through to this final? Um, I think you know there's a lot of young a lot of young players in the squad mm. and that would have been a lot of the lads first semi final and you yeah. know you kind of put that down to experience and you hope we've all learned from that and you know there think we didn't I don't think we really gave a good account of ourselves in that in that semi final against Livingston you know they did well they scored from a set piece early on and we mm-hmm. just couldn't couldn't get back into it and uh you know like you say we kind of we had another disappointment then when we didn't get the top 6 and we kind of had to pick ourselves up again and it's just a case of you know kind of putting it all together on the day, you know, putting a good 90 minutes in. And, you know, we didn't do that against Livingston in the last semi-final. So yeah. we hope that all the all the young lads and the senior lads will all have learned from that experience and just, just use that, you know, use that to our advantage going into this one. Joe, there's a little bit of a, a little Ireland going on, isn't there? It's St Murray and yourself and Jake Doyle-Hales and Conor McCarthy, Jamie McGrath and Dylan Connolly. I always think when you get a team, when you're full of... You know, people from from the south have got a real determination about them, and that's the one thing. That's probably what you're saying there to John. Just is this, un- his is question. this unlike, unlike the Irishman from the north? No, yeah, I think we're a bit softer, <laughs> but I, I just think there's a real guts and determination about you. Because I mean, Jim was the exact same as a player. Jim was a kind of person on the pitch who drove people forward, and having that appetite yeah. from all the players, it really shines through. Yeah, um, you know, I, I definitely would have noticed that. Throughout my career, any of the Irish lads I would have played with, you know, it's very similar to the, the Scottish mentality. You yeah. know, you have the same kind of work rate and determination to to keep fighting till the end of the game. You don't give up, and it's you know definitely last night that was uh, clear to see. I think um, you know I played against the manager a couple of times when I was just setting out off Aberdeen, and he was always 
you know, you're always in a battle when you play against them. It's kind of, it's still that to us as well as his teams, which has um, definitely been good for us this season. What a night, Joe, it was for, for Jay Henderson, um, 19 years old. Um, he's, you know, he's just got himself into the team. Uh, he just signed a two-year yeah. extension to, to his contract. Um, but the the last thing he looked, I thought, last night was overawed. Yeah, I mean, Jay's been brilliant. He's kind of... He went out on loan at set season to Clyde and didn't really work out for him. But he's, you know, he comes back, he's came back and he's in training. He's he's brilliant. He's so, when, when he gets your one-on-one, it's very hard to kind of get, get the ball off him. And he's, you know, he's embarrassed a few of us in training sometimes. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, you know, he came in the first half against Barcelona. He did really well, and then last night to be thrown into a quarter final. I think, like you say, he didn't look out of place. He he looked like he was in total control all the time. And you know, it's good for the club that he signed a new deal. And he's definitely one. He, he works really hard. He's got a really good attitude, and he's one that could have have a big future. So it was good to see him perform the way he did last night. Yeah, so I watched him against Ross County and I thought he was excellent. He was someone I was really unaware of. Yeah. And I watched him that night and I thought he looked really confident, really assured, nothing phased him. He had good pace, he was very dynamic and I thought they've yeah. you know they've really got a player here. So I was I wouldn't say I was surprised he started last night, but in such a big game, yeah. that just shows that if you do well and Jim will say, Well on you go. And sometimes it's better to put the young ones in. They're fearless, they go and get after the game. And likewise from Ross County to, to come on, I thought he was terrific both games. And it's and it's such a such sorry, it's just it's such a good advantage advertisement for the club as well isn't it I mean I think he's been at Ralston at the Youth Academy from the age of 10 and, and so it, it's, yeah. it must be really satisfying not just for him but for the, for the club as well and everyone involved when he makes that breakthrough into the top team Yeah I mean I'm sure that the club will be really pleased with him and even you know you got Cammy McPherson who came on last night and did really well and uh, Kyle McAllister the, you know those the three of them have come through the youth and I think there's quite a there's quite a few good young players coming through and you know, the squad has a, a good mix of youth and experience at the minute. Joe, you know, leading up to the, the game last night against Kilmarnock, um, did you and the players and the manager put a bit more emphasis on practising penalties because you know the, the game had to finish last night? Uh, you know what, we, did, we actually didn't. We didn't <laughs> I don't think we practised penalties during the week. I don't know what, mm. I don't know why, whether we did. We haven't really, we haven't practised them. No. I actually don't think that's a bad thing because sometimes you cannot replicate although there's no crowds there you cannot replicate yeah. practising in the, training yeah. and, oh, that, and the that, pressure yeah, of having tra- to do you it you cannot do yeah. it yeah you can pick your corner and you'd be consistent with that strong side foot right or left whichever you, way you want to go but if yeah. there's, there's a crowd there a big crowd and you can't. It's nerves, you know. It's technique. Yeah, there's no, there's like no, there's no replicating it. Like you no, say, you know, yeah, you, yeah. even after play, you play 120 minutes. You got yeah. 120 minutes in your legs. But still, a lot of managers, know, Joe. A lot of managers would say, practice. I want you to practice. You know, just to be yeah, professional yeah. and just to have a kind of a view, a guide in terms of where you're going to stick it. <laughs> I know that potentially on your walk up, you could change your mind. Talk to me yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Go on, go on. I was just going to say, Joe, talk to me about Jim Goodwin. Um, we've talked about how successful he's plundered the, the Irish market, um, but there's a lot more to him besides, I mean, he, he is shaping up a, as, a, as a top manager. What, what's he got? What, what, what makes Jim Goodwin the manager he is? Uh, I think he's, you know, he, he's very good 
he's a very good man manager first of all I think he you know he keeps everyone on side he knows what the what the players want his training sessions are all kind of they all have the aim for the game at the weekend he knows what he wants to do he, he's very clear in how he wants us to play and you know he's he believes in us getting the ball down and having a go and playing football the right way which is good and you know he's got the players he's, like you say he's sound players from wherever he's got them he's got players that can play the way he wants and uh yeah, he's just uh you know, he's obviously new to the to the management scene but he's he's done a very good job so far, I think. I take it the celebration last night wasn't all it might have been under normal circumstances? No, no, there was not much at all to be honest with you. I mean I got home about half one and I was uh I wasn't able to move much. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, not much. I mean it's still you know, the way everything is it'd be it'd be nice if once we get Past the semi-final or whatever and finish the season, that's when you'll kind of have a look back and maybe celebrate things differently. Joe, all the best. Good to have you on Good the luck, show. Joe. And uh, Good man, Joe. wish you well for the rest Thanks of the season. Much, all the best. Thank you. Good luck. Bye-bye. That's Joe Shocknessy, the St Mirren uh, skipper, uh, talking about that uh, that win last night. And uh, St Mirren, one of four clubs with uh, so much in front of them uh, in the way of possibilities now. Maybe for some, uh, the lack of Rangers and Celtic takes glamour off it, Crags. But, but for those that are left, they, they ain't complaining because uh, the incentive is massive. Well, it is. It, it maybe adds a little bit more pressure to them as well because you feel as if you may never get an opportunity like this again. You know, for Celtic and Rangers to be out of the Scottish Cup semi-finals is a little bit unheard of, you know, particularly after the success Celtic had. So, you know, it adds a little bit more pressure, but you know, it was interesting because Joe has probably evolved as a player. You know, when Joe first came in, he was quite raw, aggressive in the air, loved to tackle. But, you know, last night you'd see him stepping into the game, picking off passes, and that comes through maturity, but it also comes through your manager you know, having a system and the way he wants to play and encouraging Joe to go and do that. So, you know, he's been a terrific sign. I mean, you look at him and Richard Tate and Marcus Fraser, experienced players who've played a lot of games in the Scottish Premiership, as well as young Conor McCarthy. You know, beside Joe Shogness, there's no doubt about it, he's starting to mature in the smashing player. So, all around, they've got a really good balance to their, their squad. I mean, you consider the likes of Eamon Brophy, he's been out injured. And uh, it, was it Quainar as yeah. well? You know, he's got so many good attributes. Christian Dennis has had injury yeah. as well. You know, so there been lots to contend with. There's been little stops, a little bit stop start on that front. So Jim will think, have a good season this season and next season, they will look to build an ad and go again. So I think they're in a really good place. We've been talking managers on the show, just talking there about Jim Goodwin and the job he's done at St Mary and Callum Davidson. Um, and uh, the fact that he's chasing a, a cup double now this season and he's going to be a hot property in the summer. Uh, news uh, today that uh, Bayern Munich have a new head coach in place and it is Julian Nagelsmann, uh, the former coach of RB Leipzig. And he's taking over one of the top teams in European football and he's 33. It's uh, it's incredible, isn't it? Well, it's starting to make us all feel old. I mean, I don't know how old you must feel, Rob. Well, I feel very old. You, I feel well, older you must, than you. And, in fact, and I am. absolutely justified in that too. Uh, but it's a big investment from Bayern Munich. But they reckon around 30 million euros have bought him for. I think he's got the longest contract that a Bayern Munich manager has ever had, a five-year deal. So that tells you he's there for the long term. They think he's the man to take them forward. I think RB Leipzig are sitting second in the league just now. So he's obviously proven himself. He's shown what he can do. Uh, it's probably a big risk for Bayern Munich to go for someone so young. However, if they believe he's the man to continue the style of play which Bayern Munich are accustomed to and renowned all around the world, absolutely go for it. And it's a, you know, it's a huge vote of confidence for him that Bayern Munich want to come and take him. 
Bayern Munich, of course, uh, who made their feelings very clear uh, about the European Super League. John, when all that was was happening uh, last week, obviously fell on its backside in the yeah. end, the whole the whole proposal. And I guess the German feel, teams are probably feeling pretty good about themselves at the moment because uh, they didn't entertain it for a second. No, they didn't. And credit to them. Um, vultures, I call these um, owners of these sort of super clubs, if you like, uh, parasites, greed, um, no empathy for the, their own supporters. And the problem is, Rob, these guys are not supporters of the clubs that they run. Don't tell me John Henry's, uh, you know, he's probably saying his old brother or his, his his brother's son or his family, he was a Liverpool supporter. So that made me become... They don't yeah, even support no, the club. No. They, don't have, they don't have the feelings for what supporters have. No. It's all about money. It's all about greed. And of course, the German clubs are effectively run by their supporters. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. a, it's a different yeah. culture. That, that's the difference. The fact that the German clubs are run properly. The clubs that went into it are the clubs who are losing millions and spending all sorts of money. United last week, but Real Madrid, 900 million, Barcelona, 1.2 billion. So they need money. They're desperate for the money. The German clubs are run the way all clubs should be run. Full stadiums every week, great atmosphere, great finances. That's why they said, stuff it. Talking football. We do it every night. Let's continue after the break. The Go Radio Football Show Talking football first Listen live weeknights from 5 Lots of big games going on tonight In Leagues 1 and 2 of course uh, This season it's a truncated uh, Programme if I can use that phrase Um, And there's a split So uh, the split has Come and gone and now it is Top half teams playing, bottom half teams playing To sort out, well sort out The title in the case of League 1 And uh, the playoff places I guess in League 2 because Queen Park have run away with it uh, as far as League 2 so, so League 1 games tonight Airdrie against Montrose Clyde against East 5 Cove Rangers against Partick Thistle there's a cracker Crags your old team uh, are up in Aberdeen to play Cove Rangers Thistle have got themselves the top of the table they have. They're, they're hitting form it seems at just the right time they absolutely are and I, I've, I don't want to drag it on a little bit but there was a I'll drag it on a no, little bit if you fancy a guy called Michael Max who works at Partick Thistle a good friend of mine and, and he put a Post up the other night on Facebook. He said on the on the sixth of April at seven forty five, Partick Thistle were two 0 down away to East Fife, and the, as the live table stood, they were sixth. They came back to get a two two draw. Scott Tiffany scored in the last minute to get them a point at Methil, and they've won every game since. And they're now top of the table by four points. Eighteen days they've had six games, or sorry, five games. They've yeah. won all five in eighteen days, yeah. which is an incredible turnaround. I think they play Cove tonight away. They yeah. play Falkirk at home on Thursday. That's right, yeah. So they can win the title on Thursday night, which is a phenomenal. And do you know what? Hearts are back up after uh, being wrongly relegated yeah, last yeah. season. Party Thistle, I hope, can win the league and get themselves back up again to serve the injustice. And Stranraer to come up through the playoffs, and everyone will be happy. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Is justice finally being done uh, with those teams that felt they were dumped out of their respective leagues uh, last season, the way everything panned out? But uh, yeah, as Craig says there, maybe it's all coming right for them. Hearts are champions and Patrick Thistle are maybe on the way to the same as well. The momentum is behind Ian McCall's team at the moment. So Cove against Patrick Thistle tonight. It's a seven o'clock kickoff in Aberdeen. Uh, Dumbarton play Forfar. That's the other game. Um, in League One, only eight teams are playing. Of course, it's a ten-team league, and when it splits into, yeah, you've got the you've got the gist of it. Yep. Uh, two teams are not involved tonight, but will be involved on Thursday. 
Uh, follow closely, I'll be asking questions later. In League Two, Annan Athletic against Stenhouse Muir, Cowdenbeath against Brechin, Stirling against Queen's Park, Stranraer against Elgin. And whenever I see the name of Brechin, uh, it reminds me about what we were talking about on the show last week, which was uh, Brechin reckoning that relegation uh, should not happen this season, funnily enough, because since they're bottom of the, the pile. Um, and of course, there's still no certainty about what's going to happen with the pyramid mm. playoff, is there? No. Uh, Barry Ferguson's Kelty Hearts are, are waiting in the wings. Brora Rangers as well, uh, looking to uh, play off uh, against the bottom club in League Two. That's Brechin to try to freshen up League Two. And, and surprisingly enough, uh, Brechin just want to leave it as it is, John. Um, well, of course, because uh, they want to stay in the league. Uh, absolutely. But, you yeah. know, then then you think, well, is it all stagnating? Um, and, and they're absolutely marooned, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They've got six points on the board, I think, Brechin at the bottom of League Two. It really needs that refresh, doesn't it? I think it does. Yeah, I really do. Um some some massive matches, lots, uh, lots at stake. Do you think this could stay? I was I, I was trying to work it out earlier. Do you think the split could split? It could stay in the bottom two divisions. You know, I was trying to work out. The only problem is if they played each other three times, twenty seven games. If they then split five and five, they'd probably have to play each other another twice, maybe. Which means you've played them five times. Probably a bit too much. Could you play them once more? Because I just like mm. the fact of Thistle playing Cove, Thistle playing Falkirk, Falkirk playing Cove. You know, the teams that really matter. I know if you're sixth and you just miss out the top five, well, listen, that has to be the way it is. But I just think if you're going to win a title, Rob, do it against the best teams. That will, you know, just get the the, the elite playing in each division. I just wonder if it's something you might look at in the well, future. Well, we were sp- speaking about the lack of replays in the Scottish Cup and, and, and that's been forced on Scottish football because of we're, we're basically cramming in games yeah. and there's no room for, for replays. And maybe the, the split in League One and Two is something that, has to be gone through this season and maybe by the time we're through it everyone thinks yeah that was good yeah. that, that that gave us a, l- a little bit of a yeah, that yeah. was fair you know you've yeah. almost stumbled across it and sometimes when you talk about change people say no we can't change you know we like things the way they've always been done we're not going to veer away from it it's probably been forced upon them and you can imagine the clubs thinking well this is quite good because it means you can play against your rivals take points off them and go above them as opposed to the top of the table playing the bottom of the table to win a league title I think playing against each other yeah. head to head certainly brings a little bit more excitement to bring the crowds out bring a little bit of um, enthusiasm back to the lower leagues also Lots of uh, managers under lots of pressure lots at stake for those teams in League 1 and uh, League 2 Management John Hartson how do you fancy it? Are you thinking about it? Getting into yeah, fo- football I, I, management? I think so I think now with um, at my age 46 I've always thought I'd like to have a go at it at, at some stage just to see if I can do it if I can if it if it's for me um, I would like to have a group of players that I would like to improve and put my own stamp on a group um, I've worked around football all my life I played under some of the the best managers at a top top level that doesn't always guarantee you success you know you've got some unbelievable footballers in the past I've never cut it at management it doesn't it doesn't really mean if you were a good player, you're going to be a good manager. I think you take every um, possibility in terms of you know doing your doing your prep and your due diligence, which I've always done when I've worked in the media. I'd be the same if I was a manager. I've I've done bits and bobs. I've been assistant manager of Wales when we went through to the Euros, 2016. Mm. I worked a little bit with David Opkin and David Martindale at Livingston, taking the strikers. We got promotion. You talk about Partick. We played Partick in the playoff. We went up. They came down a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed that. Um, 
I, I, I didn't much enjoy not having a big impact, just being an assistant. I wasn't quite... So if I was going to go in, I'd go in as the manager. So who knows? Who knows what's around the corner? What about you, Craggs? I mean, you've you've coached mm. at, uh, at the the young guys at, yeah. at, at Motherwell for maybe, what was it, four years? Four years, yeah. And, and are you would would the prospect of uh, a top job or part yeah, of a well, part of a coaching setup yeah. at a top team? I don't imagine it. Would that entice you at all? I don't imagine a top job will be coming to me. BT, you're paying him far yeah. too much money. <laughs> <after> that, <anyway. laughs> well, it's not just BT. It's <laughs> Premier Sports. says go radio. It's, uh, uh, he does well. On. He does <laughs> really well. I mean, funny, but Craig's does really well in the media. Well, that's yeah, very nice. Job. Speaks very well. That's very nice. I appreciate that. Um, I enjoyed co- uh, working with the young boys. I think John touched on it. They're seeing players improve. Seeing players starting out thinking they know where they want to get to, but they just need a little bit of direction. And taking them under the pitch. I mean, the first probably 18 months I had at Motherwell with the under-20s, uh, I had a full squad of 18, 19 players. So you're able to do team shape, you're able to do patterns of play, you're able to show defensive stuff. And as the years went on, the players all started stepping up and we didn't replace as many at the bottom. So I ended up working with six or seven players, which was just the nature of the club. Because ultimately the first team is the most important team. And that's the team that has to get results. But then you kind of lose your way a little bit because you think, I'm only working with six players and seven players. You can't get to do your shape. You arrive at a game, you haven't worked with a team the day before it. So I think in, sometimes in youth football, there's a cycle and I had done my cycle in it. Um, I was saying to you earlier, five years ago tonight, we won the Youth Cup for the first time in Motherwell's history. Uh, Jake Hasty, David Turnbull, um, Ben Hall was in the squad who was at Motherwell, played a few games and went down south. Chris Cadden was in the one, Dom Thomas, you know, so we had a really good, uh, Alan Campbell. So we had a really good bunch yeah. of players and Jack McMillan who's playing at Livingston, who John will know from Livingston. So it's great to see so many young players when they've had an opportunity. I think that's where you get the pleasure from is watching young players go and watch their careers flourish and seeing how you're doing and thinking you've played a little small part mm. and allowing them to do that. So I think certainly the youth side of the game and being, uh, being involved with young players was, was a great experience and, and, and I think that's probably where my enthusiasm would be. How many of your old managers, John, can you rhyme off because you must have played for some <laughs> some great names yeah. in the game and, and learnt from well, them well George Graham I was 19 David Pleat gave me my debut at Luton um, lots of experience David Pleat did great things at, at Luton I won the Little Lords Cup in 1988 beating Arsenal Luton Town um, and then George Graham took me to Arsenal I worked under Arsene Wenger at Arsenal and then Harry Redknapp, of course, West Ham, Gordon Strachan, Martin O'Neill, Mark Hughes, these guys, you know, John Toshak with the national team. Wow. And and a lot of these guys, you know, you can take little bits from mm. each and every one of them if I've got the memory still to remember all mm-hmm. certain times of training the games, what they did, how they dealt with certain situations, how they dealt with each individual differently because some players need an arm around them, some players can handle you know, a, a rollicking in the dressing room. You've got to be a little bit more gentler with with some than others because they'll sulk and you won't get an, you won't get um, a turn out of them type of thing. Um, so I've got all that experience. A lot of people ask me all the time, John, well, wh- why haven't you ever gone into management? And to be honest, when I when I finished playing, I got I got a contract with yourself, Rob, from Satanta, mm. me and Terry Butcher. Mm. We did that for three or four years. Mm. And then I started then again doing the BBC. And then it was BT, a little bit with Sky. So over the last 12, 13 years, I, I've been doing loads and loads of media, which I've not really thought about it too much, you know. But I'm getting to a stage now where I'm thinking... Yeah, maybe if the right one come along. I had great advice as well. One or two people have said to me, ex-managers, if and when you ever get a job, John, make sure you've got a good chairman. 
Make sure you've got someone that'll give you find, that. Li- now finding a good chairman, there's yeah. a chance. Yeah, well, there's a chance. No, I'm saying somebody's going to give you somebody time. Somebody that might give you a little bit of time. Now I know results depend on that. You have to win games. Football is all about winning, improving players, and winning ultimately. If you're not winning, you're under pressure. But there's got to be if you're going in and you're working with a with a with a, a, a quality of player, a quality of a dressing room, then I can expect that. But sometimes when you go in lower down. You need that little bit of time to put your stamp on things and get your formation, you know, your philosophy, you know, turn things around slightly. Mm. You need that little bit of time. So I've been told, you know, one of the bit of advice was if you do go in, make sure, you know, your 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 chairman or your chief executive, they're prepared to back you as well. Which of your former managers, just finally on this subject, would you would you most identify with um you know, if if you if and when you do become a, a manager in your own right, what what would your style be close to who that you that yeah, managed well, you previously? I had a lot of success with Martin O'Neill with three at the back with with wing backs because playing three at the back generally allows you to play two strikers, and I I enjoyed playing with two strikers with Wales. It was like a four three three. I had gigs. And Bellamy either side of me for ten years with with Mark Hughes, with with uh, Martin O'Neill at Celtic. We always played three. Martin always played three at Leicester. He always played three at Wickham. He always played three whatever clubs that he was at. He came to Celtic and he played three at the back with wing backs. And um, I just feel in that system. So that my preferred system. But you look at other teams, you know, like like Man City, they play with a with their fullbacks right up almost as wingers. They, they sometimes play without the centre forward. You know, De Bruyne goes, if you've got a fantastic midfield player who, who's great on the ball, I can see passes. Um, so I would say probably Martin and, and Mark Hughes with Wales as well. Mark Hughes made a point once. He said, there's no point telling players to do things they can't do. But make sure you get the players to do the things they can do and do them very well. If you're asking me to run into the channel, it's yeah. not my game. But if you're asking me to win my headers and back into the defenders and be a focal point on the edge of the box with a decent touch and play people in, that's what I was good at. So he used to expect that from me and he would tell people to do things that you're good at. Don't expect to to, to, to get players to do things that they're not really accustomed to and they physically can't do. Yeah. You know, that's one of the best bits of advice is I would, and I would take that into management. John mentioned Kevin De Bruyne there. Man City uh, in the Champions League semi-finals mm. uh, tomorrow night um, against PSG. It's uh, Real Madrid against Chelsea tonight uh, in the first leg. And Man City, uh, having won the League Cup at the weekend, are, are, are on the brink of, of something special here, aren't they? Yeah, I thought it was interesting to hear Guy Neville, I think after the weekend, saying he could possibly be the best manager ever. You know, people say, oh, well, he's had lots of money, he's been at the big clubs. I agree, but there's many managers who have had lots of money to spend and they haven't continually delivered and continually got a style of play that absolutely dominates and obliterates the opponent. And that's what they do time and time again. There's so many talented players in their squad. They're flexible, they're comfortable in the ball, the rotation, they pose all sorts of problems. Um, although he hasn't won the Champions League uh, at Bayern Munich or at Manchester City. So as much as he says, yeah, you know, we get on with it, it'll be a burning ambition to win it somewhere else. I think he won it at Barcelona twice. Mm. Uh, he didn't win it at Bayern Munich, won the German title, won the, he's won everything in England. 
but he will want to win the Champions League with Manchester City. The investment has come in from Manchester City. That's what they want to win. But also PSG have invested a lot of money. They want to win it also. So, you know, I, I think it's four cracking teams in two semi-finals. I mean, it would just be incredible, John, um, if Man City can do this because... Um, we spoke about Celtic, what Celtic have done in Scotland over the last four seasons uh, to broaden that out and take in Europe's top competition as well. Um, it, it would just be incredible if Man City can get this job done. Well, it would. It's, it's the one, as Craig's just alluded to, that it's, it's, it's the one trophy that their supporters want as a football club. They want to be a part of that elite, the elite clubs that have won it. Real Madrid have won it 13 times and you know, Man City, um, an unbelievable um, style to the the way that they play. Guardiola's brought that. Yeah, they've got they've got great players. They've probably got two two players for every position. Mm. You know, he's 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 got the best out of certain players. Raheem Sterling wasn't half the player that he is now when he, when he arrived there for fifty million from Liverpool. He's turned him into a finisher. You know. Um, and they're all very unselfish as well. They're, they're all happy for, you know, other players to take credit and to think they've been doing this without without Aguero as well. You know, they lost company a few years ago, and they keep losing great great players. And you know, they, they've gone and replaced them. Champions in waiting in England. Man City having landed the League Cup already. Uh, Champions League tomorrow night for them, and of course the Scottish champions uh, with two qualifying rounds to get through next season to get to the Champions League. Rangers with big ambitions on that score, but sorely disappointed over the weekend in terms of their Scottish Cup result and uh, what happened in the League Cup as well. Does that affect? Uh, your perception of how this season has gone for Rangers. That's something we're going to talk about next. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Amazingly, we're coming close to the end of another Go Radio Football Show. It really does fly by. Thanks for all your calls uh, tonight. You set the agenda uh, in terms of what we talk about. We've been talking about Celtics continuing search for a manager. Uh, that big blow for Rangers that we can in their quest for a, a league and cup double the Scotland squad for Euro 2020 can now be 26 players rather than 23 those amazing Scottish Cup quarter finals no Rangers and Celtic but no shortage of drama and excitement three penalty shootouts across the long weekend um, Morgan Rogers has got in touch with us John uh, bumped into you in Cardiff, he says, the other week, and uh, John showed me a lot of kindness, chatted, spent some time, uh, and he's very grateful, and he was he's just asking the question about uh, people of you who've shown you kindness uh, during your career. Maybe, maybe we can extend that to people who've given you a helping hand, maybe people who've put you in the right direction in terms of your football career. Um, oh, there's so many. You know, you, you could mention managers that have paid big money or record money for you, you know, took took a risk or whatever. Um but, you know, for me, one of the one of the ones from when I was an apprentice at Luton, £29.50 a week, that was a wage. It was a YTS scheme. And every Christmas I looked after uh, you, all the apprentices got to look after a a professional, you know, made sure their boots were clean, they were at their peg, all their kit was coming down from the laundry. 
it was totally different then, Rob. I'm talking 30 years ago when I was 16 at Luton as an apprentice. We used to clean the stands. We used to go around with the brush, back, black bags, put all the rubbish in there from the weekend's game. You know, six or 7,000 fans all leaving pots of tea and packet of crisps and everything else. Um, you couldn't do that now. Government, you know, they don't allow the kids no. to do that now. It's all, you know... It's all done by um, by cleaners and everything. I don't think even the, the young players clean boots these days. But what we had to do, and that was our responsibility, it, I think it was a good thing because we looked up to that person, that professional. And every every year, Christmas time, we didn't have a lot of money, obviously, unless your mum and dad sent you a few quid to go out at Christmas. But Mick Harford, he was a big centre-forward, big, tough, really hard as nails. Um and uh, I used to clean mixed boots and every every Christmas he used to give me £100. And like £100 then mm, was probably yeah. like a lot of money then, you know. And I I, I was just overjoyed by it because you didn't expect it. But when that's that's a month's wages almost, you know. I've never forgot that. He didn't have to do it, but he thought, there you go, that's for, making my, that's for cleaning my boots all season. So Mick, and um, I worked with Mick then at Wimbledon. He became my coach. He was Joe, Joe Kinnear's assistant manager. So I always used to bring it up to him and everything else. We used yeah. to have a bit of a laugh about it yeah. then. So, yeah, I always, I always remember that because I was a young boy, young Fantastic kid. gesture. Yeah, brilliant. Up from Wales, you know, rough as a badger, sort of 16, just off a council estate, you know, mm. and... Uh, yeah, no. He, he, these are the moments you, right, yeah, yeah, the moments you remember. Craig's for, for you, no, uh, somebody no, no, who no, give yeah. you a big no, no, shot no, in the arm or a helping hand, and no, you're the players. I the, the first team players at Motherwell were a little bit mean. They just certainly didn't give out a hundred credit. <laughs> I was there, that's for sure. But uh, no, listen. There's lots of people throughout your career you always yeah. look to, and managers in particular. Managers used to show confidence in you and play, even when you had a bad game or. In my case, scored a few own goals. They always picked it the next week, so I was happy enough with that. I'm sure I saw over the weekend you scoring in the right net. I can't remember what game it was, but uh, there was. Uh, the, it must have been. It must have been the Scottish Cup semi final. Yeah. Against St Johnston. Yeah. 2011. That would header from four yards. You see, I remember it was only one I scored. <laughs> I, wasn't, I got six in my career, but anyway, uh, yeah, that was the one rub. <laughs> Let's talk Rangers at this point, and the, the question I floated just before the break there. Do, do we think that, that Rangers' failure in the in the cup competitions, um, failure to, to... I think they've been in one final uh, in six cups mm-hmm. in Steven Gerrard's time. I think it's one final. Um, they've gone out early this time around uh, in search of a, a league and cup dog. Does it change your perception of the season, um, of how Rangers have, have, have done what they've achieved, John? Uh they did very well to win the league by the amount of points they did and they get massive credit for that right through Scott even the Celtic supporters have to give them credit because they've won the league and they've won it fairly easy um, at a canter if you like from Steven Gerrard's point of view and the players and the supporters there's no doubt about it when they beat Celtic in the fourth round they're thinking we've got one arm we've got you know we've got one hand on the cup mm. certainly um and whether they've just been a bit naive after going in front, you know, and conceding to St. Johnson the last kick of the game, um, you could you could you could say brilliant from St. Johnson for showing that little bit of character and that togetherness and and to to pull it back to one one, but you could also say as well there's a bit of bad luck involved with Rangers. The goalkeeper comes up and and they had they had a good few chances in during that game as well. They could have wrapped up the game. They put it to bed. So there will be a tinge of disappointment that they haven't um, won the double, having had a, had, a, had, a, had a good opportunity to do that. But 
in, I think the biggest the biggest achievement that Rangers wanted they set out this season to stop 10 in a row and they did that that was their main objective when Steven Gerrard came to the club three years ago Stephen, we have to get a team together we have to get a philosophy a shape players that can stand up and withstand this pressure from Celtic we can't allow Celtic to do 10 and here he is after the match Stephen Gerrard the reality is we need to be better in cup competitions you know we're getting to this stage too many times and getting stung for example St Mirren in the League Cup um, in the final moments of games four days ago we haven't managed the game well enough as a team and we were paid for that two points were taken away so that's a challenge for me to, to improve in cup competitions and get a group that's capable of being better and um, giving our fans what they deserve which is more trophies not just one out of nine, nine. that's not good enough here We've been speaking in the course of the show about the European incentives for all five qualifiers because that's going to, what's going to be this season. Uh, five teams will be playing in European football uh, next season. We've we've spoken about the, the Scottish Cup winners and that big incentive because the, the winners of the Cup uh, are unseeded going into the playoff round of the Europa League. That's going to be tough. And I guess the likelihood w- would be of not getting through that, to be honest, in terms of quality of opposition. But you drop into the the uh, Europa Conference League um, if you don't make it through that playoff round um, that those will, games will be played on Thursday nights there are six games and it could be something around three million quid mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the, the financial benefits for, for the those Scottish Cup winners European football up till December in terms of the, the other places well if Hibs were to uh, win the Scottish Cup then fourth and fifth in the Premiership mm-hmm. uh, we'd get it into Europe into that Europa Conference League and it's three quarters qualifying round you're, you're talking here uh, if Hibs didn't do it then they, they would qualify through their league position so it would be third and fourth and and when you look at Rangers and Celtic um, it's going to be tough for Celtic because they will be at probably unseeded I would imagine three yeah. qualifying rounds they'll be in the non-champion section uh, so that means you've, you've got really tough company um, and as for Rangers two qualifying rounds uh, for them uh, to get into the Champions League proper, and I, and I guess the probability is they will be seeded in in the first of rounds, and you do get the feeling that this is big on Steven Gerrard's radar for next season. He's not going to be too interested in accumulating titles. Yes, he'll want to be the best team in the country. He'll want it to stay that way, but for Rangers uh, to get the reaction around you know Europe and outside of Scotland that he mm. will yearn uh, they need to be making an impact they've done it in the Europa yeah. they've done well in the Europa League last 16 now he wants to do it in the Champions League well that's where his reputation as a manager is enhanced you know people look up at Scotland and think well he's won the, the league so what he hasn't won a cup yet but people will look at his Europa League exertions with Rangers and think alright oh, okay that's when people start to sit up and take notice so if you suddenly do it in the Champions League and I'm not saying he's, he's trying to get away from Rangers he wants to go somewhere else but you want to be the best you can you want people to talk about you as a manager and look and think he's a possibility of going and being a top top manager the Champions League is where you want to be but I think Rangers will have to improve based on what we watched on Sunday Rangers will have to improve not just ability wise but mentality their mentality will have to improve for the Champions League to get there. They will have a good summer, they will have plenty of downtime, they'll come back refreshed and they will give it a right good go. But again, it will all be about recruitment. They keep on saying, we'll need to sell players, we'll need to sell players. Is that to clear the debt or is that to bring other players in? 
and use that money again. So there's certainly recruitment will be huge in the summer. Do you think, John, that's where the anger and frustration comes from? You know, it's it's not so much about a League and Cup double opportunity that's gone. It's about his grand plan. It's about progress for Rangers. And he sees that as a big negative that they've dropped below the the required standard in these two cup competitions yeah, th- well, this season and and if he wants to make that big impact Craig's is talking about and get into the Champions League group stages next season they they need to be better well they lost to St Mirren didn't they in the league cup a good few months ago now that was that was quite a way back um then they secured the league secured the the Scottish premiership and it was a big disappointment the other night going out so they've come close this is progress this is this is big progress for Rangers and Stephen. He's won his first trophy. Yeah, he would have wanted to have won two, three. Of course, he would have, but it's progress, you know. And I think that they may well have to sell a player, but and and I think it could be, you know, there's there's a, a an argument over will they or, or there's a there's a discussion, not an argument. Will they have to sell Morelos if it was between someone like Ryan Kent? And Morelos, the two players they held on to in January when there was interest, reported interest, I'd be get, I'd be selling Morelos all day before Ryan Kent because he he's a superstar. He he is he is technically unbelievable, and he's played his part this season in Rangers. From um, at the end of last year, I thought he dropped his levels a little bit, but at the start of the season, I think he was he was hooked once or twice, but in the back end of the season, he's been. He's been magnificent. So you hold on to your best players. Rangers will need to up their level. Stephen Gerrard knows that. He knows the quality of the achievement this season in landing a first title in 10 years. But he knows that he wants to shift up to another level next season and uh, continue, he will hope, to uh, be the best team in Scotland. Celtic will have other ideas, uh, but he'll want to be making waves in European football as well. That's it from us for tonight. Thanks to John and thanks to Craggs as well. We're back uh, tomorrow night and it's Paul Cooney with Barry Ferguson and Leanne Crichton live from five. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it, was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy.